It's, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's some, there's some uh, sermons that I preach that are, you know, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, or we'll talk about, uh, like we, we've talked about the attributes of God, we talked about all these different things. This is going to be a very, very different sermon series. Uh, it's going to take place over this week, and probably just next week, probably only two weeks. And I want to go into a study of the supernatural, uncovering the spiritual realm. Now, uh, I understand that maybe not everybody who is in the church this morning uh, was raised up in church or raised up reading the Bible or, or maybe doesn't know very much about the spiritual things. What we're going to go into, we're going to look at not just the spiritual realm, but we're also going to look at spiritual entities within that realm, specifically angels and demons. We're going to look at this because, you know, it's always around this time of year. How many know it's always around this time of year that maybe a sharper focus is put on the supernatural? A little bit of a sharper focus as we move closer to Halloween. You know, Christians everywhere start to determine within themselves to what level are they going to participate in Halloween. How many know there's some Christian parents who, who kind of go all out and they participate and have fun as costumes and, and candy and candied apples or I don't know, whatever else you do. Uh, they do all of that stuff, right? They go all out. And then there's some parents who think we don't want any part of it. We don't take any part of it, right? I will say my, my family did not participate in Halloween. Um, we had to leave school for the day if there was a Halloween party. Yeah, some people say oh, that's a bit extreme, right? Some people would say, how many people say I can relate to that? Come on. <laughs> right? If there was a Halloween party at school, I had to, we had to leave. If there was ever a movie that was played at school with like a witch or anything like that, we had to leave. Uh, we would have to leave the classroom. We had to go to the library or something like that. Uh, for us, there was, there wasn't, uh, we didn't watch Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin. How many like Charlie Brown? Yeah. We didn't watch any of that stuff. We, we, uh, what we do is we turn the lights off at night on Halloween so that no trick or treaters would come to our house. How many ever do that? You just shut your lights off. They're not going to come. No, that's what invites the trick. You see, that's what invites the, Toilet paper in your trees or eggs on your house, right? There's tricks and then there's treats. Well, we would always turn our lights off. For many years, and this is always great, growing up, for many years for me growing up, we grew up in a very large family, nine kids in the family, and uh, we never went out to eat, ever went out to eat. We always had home uh, a dinner at home around the table. And on Halloween, because we couldn't go trick-or-treating, and because, honestly, as kids, we wanted to go get free candy. Amen? Come on, how many want free candy? I'm an adult, and I want free candy. Okay? As kids, we couldn't go and get the free candy, so we would, my parents would do something really cool. They would take us out to eat. They would take us out to a restaurant in town. And so that was always very special for us. As I got older... I grew up in the church, and but the church that I grew up in wouldn't even refer to it as Halloween. They would refer to how many? How many had something? It was referred to as something else. What's that? All Saints Day? No, we refer to it as Hallelujah Night. I know you can all roll your eyes right now. <laughs> we refer to it as Hallelujah Night. 
They wouldn't call it Halloween. We had Hallelujah Night. And as I, as I got older, you know, here's what would happen during Hallelujah Night. Just so you know, we'd, we, we'd go to the church, and usually kids would dress up in costume. Usually it was a Bible character or something from pop culture that wasn't, like, offensive. And uh, we would, you know, it was things like David with a sling, Noah with the animals, things like that. Um, an angel, you know, something. We always prayed. We, we told people Bible characters, but we always prayed like people wouldn't show up as demons or, you know, things of that sort. I always thought it'd be cool to come as like David with a sling and then like back here would be Goliath's head and I would pull it out and people would start freaking out. I'd be like, it's a Bible character. It's okay. I, I never got away with anything like that. So, but we always, we had candy, we had games, we had a lot of fun. And I always thought, what's the difference? I mean, if we can go there and do that, what's the difference? Now, afterwards, we'd get home from this hallelujah night, and my brother and I would run and grab our newspaper bags. My, I used to deliver newspapers when I was a kid. I'd walk up and down, I was that kid. I'd walk up and down the neighborhood, or I was on my bike, and I'd chuck the paper at you. That was me. So my brother and I, we would, we would grab those bags and just as quickly as we could, we would run from house to house to house, trick-or-treating ourselves, even though our parents didn't want us to. Am I recording this right now? Yes, I am. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. That's just what happened. We would, we would do that. We always tried to do this before our parents realized that it was taking us very long to take out the trash. We would say, Mom and Dad, we're going to take out the trash. And we would jump and run as fast as we could to the house. And what'd you get? I got this. What'd you get? No. It was spooky. It was scary. Right? When we talk about this time of the year, it's spooky. It's scary. It's fun. Right? It's exhilarating. How many, I'm not here to tell you what level to participate in Halloween. I believe that you have to, that's between you and the Lord and your family and, and what you do. Amen. I'm not here to, to sit, tell you what you should or shouldn't do. In fact, I'm not even speaking today about Halloween or its origins. Or you know, I believe Christian parents and children should be discerning about what parts of Halloween they take part in. Amen? I think Christian parents should be discerning about what they let their children participate in, what they open themselves up to. Amen? There's some, I think there's some fun things and there's some not-so-good things. But today, I don't want to focus on that as much as I want to focus on the supernatural. What is the supernatural? What is, what isn't it? What is it? What isn't it? And most importantly, what does the Bible say about it? Amen? What is the, with everything in our lives, let's approach it from this standpoint first. What does the Bible say about it? That would be a good way to move in our lives. Before we dive into this, I want to paraphrase Bill Myers. Bill Myers wrote this great book called The Dark Side of the Supernatural. And its purpose is that you be aware of the supernatural. That you not be fascinated by it or enamored by it, but that we be aware of it. We are going to focus on both the light side of the supernatural as well as the dark side. And hopefully, at the end of this study, there will be more of an awareness about what's happening in the spirit realm. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Mike. Can I get an amen? amen? Doug, can I get an amen? amen. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. Even those words, those words spirit realm. How many of you know, when I, when I, even if, when I mention the word spirit realm, it piques people's interest. Well, what, do you, what do you mean? It brings up the interest levels. What is the spirit realm? Pastor David, can you explain to me, please, why we are talking about the spirit realm and not talking about the fruit of the spirit or Noah or David or Abraham or Moses? Because the spirit realm is extremely real. It is real. It is unequivocally, absolutely real. What does the Bible say? Go to the first scripture. This is out of Nehemiah 9.6. It says this, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry host. When it talks about the heavens, that is the spirit realm. And all the starry hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. When we talk about heaven, we're talking about the spirit realm. Guess what else? When we talk about hell, we're talking about the spirit realm. There is the physical realm that we live in, and there is the spirit realm, which is invisible to us. I'll get into that in just a second. Go to the next slide. It says this in Luke 2, 13 through 15. You guys would be very familiar with the story if you read coming up to the Christmas season. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They appeared and then they disappeared. They went into heaven. They went into a spiritual realm. These verses establish first that there is a spirit realm. And if we look deeper, it's talking about the part that is described as heaven. How many know people who who say they have seen heaven? I've heard testimonies of people who say they have experienced heaven, that they've died at some point, and they've had a had what's called a uh, oh, there's a specific word, a near death experience, an NDE, and in in doing that and that happening, they experienced heaven to some degree. Some of those things have been legitimate. Some have been, I believe, illegitimate. I believe it's up to Christians for us to be discerning over which is what. They establish that there is a spirit realm. We're talking about heaven here. But we want to look deeper. Because the spirit realm involves both good and evil. The spirit realm involves both good and evil. Now, if we're not careful, um, I once had a student come up to me and say, you know, when we talk about good and evil, we're talking about Star Wars, right? When we're talking about the light side and the dark side, I mean, we're talking about Star Wars stuff, right? How many like Star Wars? I like Star Wars. It's okay. You ain't going to burn for liking Star Wars. Amen? Amen. I'm going to see it next time and whatever and whatever. Yeah, it is. Me and Joe Bourbon, we're going to go see it, right? Amen. Here's the thing. This is, this is not Star Wars. We're not talking about some fantasy here. We're not talking about uh, good versus evil or yin versus yang. 
We're not talking about two opposite but equal things. We're talking about one thing that has been totally defeated by the good thing. Amen? Evil has been totally defeated, destroyed. It is still around. It is still alive. It is still trying to destroy as many people with it as possible. But it is defeated. Its defeat was handed to him at the cross. Amen? Here we see the spiritual... What does it say here in Ephesians? It says this. For our struggle is not... Listen to this carefully. It's not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, let me say that again. Our struggle, listen to this carefully, is not against flesh and blood. What does that mean? Our struggle, let me, I mean, let me, let me, let me just say it one more time. Our struggle... Our battle, our fight, is not against flesh and blood. Let me say it another way. Your struggle is not against your mother-in-law. Come on. I know everyone wants to laugh nervously. Come on. Rachel Hansen, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, stairs across the aisle. That's what we get. Come on. Our struggle is not that your struggle is not against your mother-in-law. Amen. It's not against your boss. Come on. Your struggle is not against your coworker or your neighbor. Now, I will say this: at times, the coworker, the neighbor, perhaps even the mother-in-law. Not my (laughs) mother-in-law. Podcast is going, not my mother-in-law. Perhaps they are being used by the enemy. Understand? That when they are being used by the enemy, our struggle is not against their person, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil that are motivating them, that are moving them. We start praying against those and all of a sudden your relationship with your mother-in-law gets a lot better. Or perhaps it will drive her away even further. Either way, I think you win. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Steve. (laughs) Hey, hallelujah. Moving on. No, I'm seriously. Come on. We start praying. We don't start praying that that God would smite our co-worker. The Lord, take out the evil that's within him. Lord, fight against the evil that's within that person. There's, there's, there's people that will be against you. Not because of just a personality disorder. Not because there's just a clash of ideas. But because they are specifically assigned to go against you. It's not then that we fight them or physically take them on. We prayerfully take them on. Amen? When we start to understand the supernatural, the spiritual, 
We aren't fighting against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against them, but against the rulers, against the authorities. What does that mean, the rulers and authorities? The easiest and best way to say it is this. Against the demonic. Against the cohorts of Satan. Against the fallen angels that we know as demons. But I want to say it is not a personality clash. It is a spiritual battle. The other thing is this. The the number three is this. And the spirit realm is not naturally visible to those living in the physical world. You say, Pastor David, you mean I can't see it? No. You cannot. But what does the Bible say? It says this, Colossians 1, 15 and 16. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For, excuse me, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Hebrews eleven thirteen says this, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, we understand. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. There's the visible and the invisible. By faith, we understand this. Now, I say this, not naturally visible. Because there are people who have experienced seen into the spirit realm. Now, I want to give you some examples. There are some people where at times God will peel back the veil to show them something in the spiritual, something in the spirit realm. You say, Pastor David, this is getting a little... Are you sure? (laughs) This is getting a little kooky, Pastor David. Are are you sure? Well, here's the thing. If you read the Bible, the Bible describes what we call dreams and visions. A lot of times in these dreams and visions, God would show people a glimpse of heaven. Or show people a glimpse of hell. Show people into the spiritual. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He had a vision. God God allowed him to see into the heavenlies. So you say, Pastor David, if this sounds a little bit out there, I have to say, it's in the Word of God. Don't believe me. Believe the Word of God. Amen? Don't believe what I'm saying. Believe the Word of God. Amen? There are other examples that I know of, though, where people have seen the supernatural. My grandmother is one example. My grandmother was born a very long time ago, and when she was born, she was born so small that she could fit inside of a shoebox. She died. At birth. People say, well, how is that possible? Because you're here. Right? My grand, my great grandfather began praying. 
He was a praying man. He prayed for three hours and life came back into her body. As long as I can remember, my grandmother was a very spiritual person. She loved the Lord. She loved to tell people about the Lord. And the Lord at times allowed her glimpses into the spiritual, where she would see angels protecting people, see angels watching over people, would be able to speak to those people, and he gave comfort to them. Did you know that there are angels watching over you today? Amen? Did you know that there are angels assigned to your life today? Did you know there is an angel? I already forgot the name. It's not Mary. It's Abby. Over Abby Bourbon's life. An angel assigned that, that as the car came, whether it be her fault or not, There's an angel there watching over her. Amen? Amen. I once read a bumper sticker that said, never drive faster than your angels. (laughs) I thought, oh boy. And then somebody else said, by the way, that's the speed limit. (laughs) Yeah, I know. we got to ruin everything. Anyway, no, but my grandmother would see angels. My gra- she, she would tell us about these angels that she would see. Other people that have talked about the experiences they have where they've seen angels. There's other people who have experienced the other side of it, where they've seen things that they wish they hadn't seen. Where they've experienced not the, the peace and love of an angel, but they've experienced the torment and agony of the demonic. There is a worldwide missionary and evangelist. His name is Dr. Lester Summerall. Some of you may be aware of who he is. He had a phenomenal ministry called Lassie Ministries. He passed away a few years ago. While he was younger, he had a vision, which he told about again and again. And in this vision, he saw a great mass of people being pushed down uh, together on a Broadway or a road. As the Holy Spirit carried Dr. Summerall over the heads of these people, he got to the end of this procession of people and he saw a bottomless pit with a roaring inferno. Those at the edge of this pit saw their fate and they tried to pull back, but it was too late. The sheer crush of humanity pushed them on to their eternal doom as they fell screaming and tearing their faces, latching on to air. Their screams rent the air, and Summerall said that God spoke to him these words, If you do not preach the gospel to them, everyone who falls is your responsibility. If you do not preach the gospel to them, everyone who falls is your responsibility. He had a vision. It changed his life. It changed his ministry. God allowed him to see this vision as a catalyst for what he would do the rest of his life. There are some times where God will peel back the curtain, will lift the veil, allow us to see into the spiritual, the spirit realm. Amen? It's always for a purpose. 
Some people have talked about encounters that they've had with the spiritual. Now, we're going to get into angels and demons probably coming up next week. I don't want this. You're not going to want to miss that. It's pretty awesome stuff. But I, I want to go into this first because when we understand the spirit realm, we do understand that it is not visible. And at times, God allows people to see into it. But I, I also say that it's not naturally visible because I want to make you aware that there are times when people have seen into the spirit realm through means other than God. Other than God. Say, Pastor David, what do you mean? There are multiple stories and accounts of people who have seen glimpses of the spirit world through the use of drugs. If you're not, if, if you've never had any experience with this, praise the Lord. But there are people who have had experiences with this. Uh, Albert Hoffman was a Swiss chemist. He, uh, in 1939, he discovered a, a, a drug that was known simply as LSD. LSD. He wrote a book called LSD, My Problem Child. And he uses the book to describe his experience in using LSD. I want you to listen to this. It says this. Being aware of what we're talking about in the spiritual, listen to this. The dizziness and sensation of fainting became so strong at times that I could no longer hold myself and I had to lie down on a sofa. Everything in the room spun around. Familiar objects and pieces of furniture assumed grotesque, threatening forms. Even worse than these demonic transformations of the outer world were my alterations that I perceived in myself, in my inner being. Every exertion of my will, every attempt to put an end to the disintegration of the outer world and the disillusion of my ego seemed to be wasted effort. A demon had invaded me had taken possession of my body, mind, and soul. I jumped up and screamed, trying to free myself from him. But then I sank down again and lay helpless on the sofa. The substance which I had wanted to experiment had vanquished me. It was the demon that scornfully triumphed over my will. I was seized by the dreadful fear of going insane. I could tell you stories after stories and accounts after accounts of people who have been taken in by psychedelics and drug use and PCP, angel dust, and all these different things that they use. My pastor would tell me of how many times he would get high on PCP and then enter into the spirit realm where demons would claw at him. You say, Pastor David, it's just, I mean, that sounds like it's just... The, the, the drug effects, it could be just in the mind. It doesn't have to necessarily be spiritual. One pastor who came out of a lifestyle of drug use and the demonic says this. He said this in his master's thesis on drugs and the demonic. He says, the world is addicted to drugs, legal and illegal. Pharmaceutical companies and drug cartels are among the richest and most powerful organizations in the world. 
America is the most medicated nation on earth with some 70% of Americans taking prescription drugs. Yet we have the worst health outcomes than any other industrialized country. Only 10% of the population use illicit drugs. In a study done by CBS News, it was found that the number one trending drug, what do we think the number one trending drug is? Vicodin? Anybody else? What's that? Oxycontin? No, not alcohol. What? Caffeine. Caffeine. Number one trending drug in America right now. Some people assume, some people thought it was meth. Because you hear so much about meth in the news, right? You hear so much about drug busts and meth busts. Number one trending drug in America right now is heroin. Heroin is the number one trending drug in America right now. If you want to know why it's the number one trending drug, it's this. The massive increase in its, in its use is attributed to the rise of prescription painkillers. In the U.S., the most commonly prescribed opioids are hydrocodone and oxycodone, which are classified as semi-synthetic because they are synthesized from opium. Heroin is the same thing. It is semi-synthetic opioid. The effects of the hydrocodone and the oxycodone on the brain are indistinguishable from the effects of heroin. And so what will happen is people will get drugs prescribed to them, and they become addicted to those prescribed drugs, and then when they can't get the prescription anymore, then they move towards heroin. It has opened up their lives to the spiritual. There's also uh, another the, the, uh, uh, a drug called DMT, or ayahuasca as some people know it, that has opened people's lives up to the spiritual. These were drugs that were used in rituals and sacred rituals with Indian culture and Amazonian culture. There's people that actually will pay to go down to the Amazon and experience these drugs so that they can have a spiritual encounter. So when I say that there's sometimes where people access the spiritual through unnatural means that are apart from God, the first is drug use. The other way people access the spirit realm apart from God is through the use of the occult. When I mention the occult, I'm talking about witchcraft, Satanism. This is usually a combination of drug use, sexual rituals, and an invitation to demonic forces to interact with them. An invitation to demonic forces to interact with them. This is the occult. Let me be clear, the spirit realm, though invisible, is entirely real. It's not so, the study is not so that you would be fascinated by it, it's that you would be aware of it. Amen? It's so you do, to be aware of it. The spirit realm is not just, you know, we, a lot of times we only talk about heaven. We don't, we don't want to talk, we don't talk about, you know, that other place. We won't even say it. We'll say H-E double hockey sticks. Come on. We don't want to say it. There is a heaven and there is a hell. 
Do you hear me clearly? Because I think that the message is being downplayed as much as possible. Let's talk about heaven as much as possible, and let's just leave hell over there. But there is a heaven and there is a hell. There are angels and there are demons. I will say this. To look exhaustively at angels and demons, just just within the Bible, would take us many, many, many weeks. And to just go through each account of angels or demons in the Bible, I'm not going to do that. But over the course of this week and next week, I want to make you aware that these beings are both real and active in your life. They're not just out there in the ether somewhere, flying around or doing what they do. And, and, and just so you know, it's not one guy on this shoulder and another guy on this shoulder. Come on. I always like those cartoons. I always like that Tom and Jerry. Remember Tom and Jerry? I don't know if they have that anymore. Tom would think about something due to Jerry, this mouse. This stinking mouse. And an angel would appear on one side and a demon would appear on the other. And the demon always had a pitchfork, was dressed in a red suit, had horns, right? The picture of a demon, the picture of an angel is always dressed in white. Had a couple wings in the back, like Clarence the Angel, remember that? I always like that. I played Clarence the Angel in a play one time. I know I mention that every time, but it's awesome. I love it. It's a wonderful life. Amen? How many people in America do you think believe in angels? If we were to take a percentage of Americans, this percentage believes in miracles. According to the latest poll, what do you think percentage of Americans believe in angels? Anybody? How much? 13%? 85%. Whoa, big spectrums. 56? Huh? 39. 77% of people believe in angels. Now, what percent do you believe believe in demons? 12%? believe in angels. But of the percentage that believe in angels, they don't believe in there's a lot that don't believe in demons. We've only been made to believe in the good and ignore the bad or pretend it's not there. Right? There's a famous movie quote. That's a paraphrase from a philosopher. And the movie quote is this. If you know the movie, then you'll, you'll know the quote. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist. Someone once said it this way. That's not scripture, but it's true anyway. Amen? It's not scripture, but it's true anyway. When I was a kid, I'm, I'm coming to a close here. When I say I'm coming to a close, I mean about 20 minutes or so. I kid, I kid. When I was a kid at church camp, uh, my friends and I, we would tell each other about, uh, like late at night, church, you know, we were in our bunks. We would pull our mattresses down on the ground. We'd be laying there and we'd be telling stories. Right? We're telling stories about what were perhaps encounters with the supernatural. I don't know if you ever went to church camp and did this. This is what I did because I was weird. So, 
We went to a church camp and we did this and we were talking about supernatural things. Some people went to church camp and they told ghost stories. This was our version of ghost stories. We talk about the supernatural and specifically we talk about demons. And honestly, I don't know how many of the stories were true. I don't know. Uh, there's, you know, I don't know how many of the stories were just made up, you know, because there's something significant about realizing there's more to this world than just what we see. When you're, when I was a kid, there was something significant of, uh, uh, it's exciting to think that it's exciting to think that maybe these, these stories were true and that I could somehow be a part of casting out demons and, and, and striking a blow to the enemy. Amen. When I was a kid, I get all excited about it, Steve. I can't believe I have a chance to strike down the enemy. So I'd get, we'd get excited about it. So what would happen is we would tell these stories. And some of these kids had, uh, what I would say, wild imaginations. Some of these kids had wild imaginations about how they were experiencing a spiritual battle right then or right now. Somehow, to be in a spiritual battle, I guess it meant you had to be a spiritual person. And you had to be important enough to be in a spiritual battle. And so sometimes they would come and say, David, I'm going through this right now, or this is happening to me. I promise you, how many are Chicago Bears fans? Over there, I know there's some. A boy came to me and he said, David, you got to come to my room. There's a demon inside my Chicago Bears t-shirt. How many do not like Chicago Bears? Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to go past that. He said there was a demon in the Chicago Bears jersey that was hanging in his closet. He wondered if we shouldn't anoint his room with the Pepsi that he had left over on the nightstand. Now, we set aside the sacrilegious suggestion (laughs) to sit down with him and let him know that he needed to be careful. Because here's the thing. When your focus is always on demons you'll see one behind every rock. When your focus is always on demons, you'll see one everywhere. Keep your focus on Christ. Amen? Amen. Keep your focus on the Lord. Be aware of the devil's devices. Be aware of the devil's devices, but don't let your focus always be on the demonic and always on those dark things. You'll, You'll find one everywhere. We have to be aware that the demonic is real. But I want to make you aware of something else. If you're a child of God, you have authority and power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. If you're a child of God, you have authority and power in the name of Jesus. I like what John 10, 28 says. Jesus said this, No one will them take out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. My Father is greater than all. No one, I had left the word out there, but no one will take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. We have to be careful that we don't, we don't have this great fascination. We're aware of it, but we don't have a fascination or become enamored by demons or angels. And I said, now keep in mind, I said demons or angels. We don't want to become enamored by these things. In, in, in the book, The Dark Side of the Supernatural, Bill, Moy- Bill Myers points this point out very effectively. He says this. 
This is concerning angels. There's a real danger in thinking angels are something they're not. And it's especially dangerous when a natural and healthy awe of angels grows into full-fledged angel worship. There's a trend in America that you should know of where people are worshiping angels. People are praying to angels. People are searching or trying to speak with angels. The Bible is very, very clear that angels are not to be worshipped. They are not to be worshipped. Pastor David, what do you mean? In Revelation, the Apostle John has a vision of an angel. And we see what happens here in the next slide. Revelation 19, 9-10. And he said to me, this is the angel saying to the Apostle John, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And this is what John did. And I fell at his feet to worship him, the angel. But he said, see that you do not do that. Don't do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Don't worship angels. Don't become fascinated or enamored with angels or with demons. But keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. As a Christian, you know, as a Christian, I pray. I really do. I pray, man, Lord, open my eyes to the spiritual. God, I want you to open my eyes to the spirit realm. If, if only to help those who are hurting. If only to help those who are hurting. I pray that we as Christians, Lord, my prayer is that we would only be fascinated with you. Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning. When I come to you, I, I thank you for this message of moving and, and seeing the supernatural. Lord, I I pray that we would experience the supernatural in our lives. That you would move on our behalf. That we would become aware of your presence. Lord, I pray that we would only be fascinated by you. That you would be magnified in our lives. That you would be glorified in our lives. We want to be aware of the devil's devices. We want to be aware of those things. But we know our strength and authority... It's only through the blood and name of Jesus Christ. It is only through the blood and name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for those who are here this morning. Whether they're here to visit or this is their home church, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give us rest. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. We'll see you next week.